0: to this episode of the NLN podcast, Nursing Edge Unscripted, The Surface Track. And thank you for joining us. I'm Dr. Michelle Moulton.
1: And I'm Dr. Rachel Anello.
0: And Rachel, you know, I'm really looking forward to our conversation with Kyle today.
1: I agree. You know, every time you and I get a chance to talk to Kyle, something really transformative happens, there's greater insight. um, And I just can't wait for where our conversation goes and unfolds. I agree. So this
0: episode is entitled, Creating a Place and Space for Learning, Leading with Psychological Safety, where we will discuss the concept of psychological safety and its role in nursing education, specifically exploring how teachers create a place and space for learning, uh, where transformative growth can really be achieved. And today to help us uh, with this conversation is Dr. Brandon Kyle Johnson, Kyle is an associate professor of nursing and the clinical and simulation director for the traditional undergraduate program at Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center in Lubbock, Texas. Kyle's research focuses on best practices in simulation um, and use of observer roles, teaching and learning in nursing education, debriefing and knowledge instrument development and testing. So welcome, Kyle, thank you so much for joining
2: us. Thank you, I'm glad to be here.
1: Kyle, I wanted to kick off our conversation together and talking about psychological safety. I know this is a, a concept that Michelle, you and I talk about a lot or have recently. Um, and I know that it's near and dear to all of our hearts and our, our teaching philosophy. So I guess to kick this off and get us started, when I think about psychological safety, it tends to be a central tenet to educators and simulation and debriefing, but it's not always widely or commonly integrated into classroom, clinical, online learning environments beyond the sim setting. And I know when I started really being intentional about psychological safety in those settings, it really transformed my relationship with learners and my effectiveness as a teacher. So I'm curious to hear from you how you view psychological safety, both for you and for your learners.
2: So yeah, when I think when I think about when I think about psychological safety, you know, I, of course. Of course, I think it'd be great to just know that the definition from Amy Edmondson is just the shared belief that you can take interpersonal risks together. And when I when I tend to talk to educators about creating that for um, for simulation, for classrooms, for um, uh, for clinical settings, what I tend to think about is um, these two terms that have kind of found their way into my. Uh, to my lexicon over and over um, about wellness and wonder. And so those are two terms that I tend to think of. And they're, of course, informed, I think, you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about um, what Harvard has said about holding learners to high expectations and also in high regard so that we can, I think when people think about psychological safety, um, they tend to think, oh, we're just trying to create this like soft, the soft learning environment that's warm and fuzzy, like you know, I'm gonna go back to like our our kindergarten days and like this warm and fuzzy environment. And, and actually, there's there's been some literature, uh, a blog recently, um, you know, called Safe Not Soft, where they talk about this concept of that's exactly that's not what it is at all. It's this idea of of holding learners to high regard with high expectations. And so where wellness and wonder come in for me is I tend to think about um, there's been a huge push for wellness, of course, lately, um, which is is long overdue. So looking at nursing students or healthcare education in general and and, and making certain that there are things in place for their, their overall wellness. I tend to think of wellness also as how learners feel when they come into the classroom, how they feel when they come into your space, which we'll talk about a little bit more um, here in a bit uh, or into your place. Uh, so I tend to think about How do they feel when they walk in and they see you as the facilitator? How do they feel when they are sitting in class and they're asked a question that they may or may not know? Um, and, And then if learners feel really well in those situations, not only emotionally, psychologically, mentally, physically, but also that you have created this well environment, then it opens the door for wonder. Um, and so I, I kind of joke with people, I think early on, we all look for those light bulb moments in education, you know, where you see their eyes light up. Right. And, and I love those moments too, but I think in psychologically safe environments, you start seeing them scratch their head a little bit and saying, oh, I don't, I'm not sure. Um, I don't know about that. Um, or, uh, I'm, I'm a little bit uncertain and being okay enough to say that in front of a group of people. Um, And so I've learned to love that look as well, where learners begin to really scratch their head and really become open with their, their feelings, their thoughts, their discomfort, their, um, their confidence. Uh, And and so I tend to think about psychological safety as, as those two concepts as well, when we begin to think about um, trying to design those spaces in nursing education. No, I
0: I love that, Kyle. And what came to my mind when I was listening to you was not only can you create this environment where students are scratching their heads and, and they're able to express that they have questions or they're not sure about something and that they can grapple openly, um, with, with, with the content, but I think it also creates, and it gives us space as educators to scratch our heads and say, you know, wow, like share a little bit more about that. You know, that's, that's new to me. And, and I, I can learn something here too, in this environment. Um, So I think it it creates the space for both the teacher and the learner to be curious, to learn new things um, and to explore these difficult conversations or difficult concepts together.
2: Absolutely, yeah, I think that we, I mean, we all as educators, I think likely became educators because we fell in love with perhaps an educator that made us feel a certain way. Um, And so when we think about psychological safety, if we really spend some time in deep reflection on it, I think we can all think of educators that did that for us. And we can all think of moments where we felt, number one, really well and full of curiosity. And, And so then how can we as educators take that into each of our environments? And then how do we keep educators kind of on fire with that kind of learning for them as well?
1: I, I love this wellness and wonder. I think um, it speaks to me deeply because I think it really emphasizes this paradigm shift between, you know, a lot of educators think it's a dichotomy between creating a space where students can be vulnerable and or um, holding folks to high standards. So they have to compromise one for the other. Uh, when in actuality, it's not a dichotomy that they go hand in hand that if we create wellness and wonder, right? If we are, create a space yeah. where they can lean into um, the edge of their expertise and be vulnerable and making their thinking visible and taking risks in learning, uh, because learning is vulnerability. At the same time, we can be pushing them to higher standards and have high, really high expectations for them.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I love the word vulnerable because I, I think that when I read about psychological safety, um, any work by Brene Brown tends to find its way into that. And so for I, I tend to think that educators out there if you haven't read about psychological safety if that's a new concept and you also haven't wor- read work by Brene Brown, there's so much there's so much that can be explored and, and it takes you on a journey as an educator about how can I create those environments where I enc- I encourage vulnerabil- vulnerability. Um, as well as holding learners to a, I think you're right, it has been a dichotomy, it's this either or, and it can definitely be both and.
1: Yeah, when you see Brene Brown, she's one of my favorite authors, and it comes to mind when we talk about vulnerability, not just with our learners, but with ourselves as educators, too, she uses this term armoring up. And I think about how many times in our classroom, whether it's in the simulation setting and clinical and classrooms online, how many times do we armor up because of our Mm -hmm. discomfort with vulnerability as an educator?
2: Absolutely. So much work. And I think so much of that is, is a journey that we've got to go down as as educators. And as you go down that pathway, you find yourself enacting a lot of the principles that they talk about because you found a lot of a, a lot of comfort and discomfort in reading about it. I mean, you know, it's it's a it's an uncomfortable journey to kind of learn to, to start digging into your own vulnerability. But you can see so much potential with, with those spaces that are created um, when you do go down that path think absolutely. I think she says i think she says um, what is vulnerability is the birth- birthplace of joy, and um I can't remember exactly what it is, but uh it kind of is counterintuitive to what we sometimes think is that it was it'd be armoring up and as uh, instead it can be the best place
0: absolutely, and when I think of this um you know metaphor of like armoring up i think as as teachers what it's what we're really doing is like really holding our, our learners at a distance. And when we do that, and it's that, that distance is perceived and that, um, that very big boundary is perceived from learners, I don't think they're going to lean in to difficult conversations. I don't think they're going to ask the difficult questions. And, and then how is, as we as nursing teachers, how are we going to really teach our learners about the vulnerabilities of being a nurse? So um, Kyle, you know, I have another um, question. In, in previous conversations that Rachel and I have had with you, uh, we've heard you use the phrase uh, place and space when discussing psychological safety. And we were wondering if you can um, add your definition of place and space, add a little bit of context and maybe talk about its origin in education.
2: Yeah, so I'll I'll kind of give you the full the full background about how it came to me. So I was in I was in my doctoral program, um, and I was assigned a reading um, about place and space in education, and, um, and it was it was a course that was really designed to look at education from. The beginning, um, from kindergarten, prior to kindergarten, all the way up through higher education, and so actually the reading comes from, and I and I do, and I think we shared this when we first met. We have a lot to learn from elementary education, middle school education, high school, edu—all you know, primary, secondary education. Um, we can learn from that because a lot of us didn't get educational coursework um, or, or strong educational coursework. But when I think about place and space, I, the definition that, that kind of landed on me comes from Tuan and it says, um, place is security, space is freedom. Um, and so when you think about place, uh, place is a place where you have felt um, again, I think really well. So that's where that kind of came from. So when I've discussed this with people before, because it was in a, a text about elementary education, I, I try to take people back there for just a second. So when I think about, and, and since our last dialogue, actually, I I begin to think, so, so what I first think of is when I was in kindergarten, I have this, there was this giant rug that was blue and red with big circles on it. And there was usually, a, you know, numbers one through 10 and all the letters of the alphabet But I was also thinking there was also a place for each student to sit that was kind of barricaded off right in that circle. But what I was also thinking about is, you know, what I mentioned earlier, if we all think back to those educators that did that for us, that's where place and space really comes from. And as I was thinking, when I think about the educators in when I think about that teacher in kindergarten, that said, let's round up on the circle. When I think about my eighth grade, ninth grade English literature teacher that said, um, let's discuss all of the, you know, deep symbolism of whatever book that was in a circle. Um, And when I also think about um, when I was in, uh, when I was in my undergraduate, I did a study abroad and we took a health economics course and I was in Denmark and he actually invited us to dinner for class. um, And we sat there for three and a half hours talking about the differences between the United States um and their health economics and health policy versus Scandinavia and so I was thinking since our last discussion a lot of those well spaces are circles for me um and, and you know when you think about the work that's been done in simulation um you think about everybody in an equal space uh equal place um not one person standing up teaching and there being that power structure um and tend tend to circle up but When I think about place and space, uh, again, place being security, space being freedom. um, When we think back to those places where us as educators felt well, psychologically safe, safe to say, oh, I didn't know that. Um, I can't remember who posted that not too long ago, but oh, uh, you know, saying I made a mistake uh, or "I, uh, I was wrong that that was wrong. I think about the dialogue about health policy that I was in, that was not a warm and soft, fluffy environment. There was a lot of really good dialogue and debate, but I would argue that it felt very safe um, to have good discussions about the complexities of that. And it felt very challenging, motivating, um, and it created a space for me to begin to wonder about all that could be about all that we might be missing. So I tend to think about how do we do that in simulation? How do we do that in classrooms? How do we do that in clinical? Where 10 years from now, if they're looking back on Michelle's class or Rachel's class or my class, and they say like, you know, or or let's just say that 10 years from now, they're reading this text about place and space. What would they think back to about their educators and nursing education? And would they think, wow, they really created that? That was a, a good place for me, where I was in the sim room or I was in the classroom. That was a good place, and the teacher also gave me so much space to be curious and wonder, and and really challenge my own assumptions about certain things. Um, that's where place and space is. They talk about it being a crucial component to elementary education, and and that they want to create those places. I tend to think that it's extremely applicable, applicable for us. We can all think of conferences that we've set in or roundtables that we've set at where we felt absolutely challenged. Perhaps, you know, that, that high expectation, like, oh, wow, like I'm really being challenged on a lot of things and this, but, but I also feel very comfortable to share my thoughts and share where I'm at on this. Um, so that's where I think place and space is, can, can translate really well to any, I mean really any educational setting. When we hold those two thoughts or those two concepts in mind, you can't help but then dive into psychological safety, the work on wellness, um, uh, helping learners think about their own thinking, all of the stuff that has really come forward from simulation pedagogy.
0: That's great. And you know, when I think about, I love this this word of freedom, When you think about space and this this freedom to explore, freedom to ask questions, freedom to learn, it brings me to academic freedom. As educators, we use that word a lot. we talk about that concept and and what it means in our work to to provide education to our learners. But we don't talk about learning freedom, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Like we don't talk about um, the freedom for the students to be able to feel comfortable to feel heard and seen um, and to have, to engage in in more of these, you know, their thinking, to share their thinking, um, to have more of these metacognitive, reflective, meaningful conversations that can, and we don't do that with our learners just for the sake of thinking about our thinking. It's really because that's what we want our learners to do when they become a nurse, right? when you're taking exactly. care of patients, it's very, a very reflective practice. Um, we've got to, you know, when we provide care to a patient, sit back and say, was, was that the right intervention at the right time? Or, you know, how could that have been different if I had waited, you know, 30 minutes to give that medication or called that provider? You know, we want to have reflective mm-hmm. practitioners. So this idea of creating this freedom to reflect and to learn and to Um, have conversations, I think, in our academic um, environments is very important to help make that translation into practice.
1: Yeah. I would also add on to this idea of comfort is this idea of comfortable being uncomfortable. Uh, Because learning is a discomfort if we're stretching them to the edge of their expertise, which we may be challenging assumptions, where we may asking them to flex muscles and thinking muscles in ways that they've never flexed before. And I think that's the beauty of this space and place is allowing them to tolerate or creating an environment where they perceive that the environment um, they can tolerate that discomfort that comes along with learning. Because I think that's one of the biggest challenges with our learners right now is that when it gets hard, they engage in that desirable difficulty that we know brain science tells us we want them to experience, to have deep enduring learning. They hit that discomfort and they're like, oh, that's there's something inherently wrong with me because I'm struggling and it's no. Um, Learning is a productive struggle and that discomfort, creating a space and a place for them to lean into and feel comfortable being uncomfortable for
2: the service of learning, I think is so important. Well, and, and I think just uh, like, there's so much to unpack about that as well, because I think that so much of the work that's come from debriefing and psychological safety, and it, what it took me down a journey of, is not only does this help create better healthcare professionals, but but we don't like as just a society, like uncomfortable thoughts, and people tend to, cut it, to shut, it, shut it down. And not shut down the conversation necessarily, but they shut down the internal thought process. They're like, "That's too uncomfortable. I'm not going to think about that," or "That challenges something that I learned when I was five years old, and that was a value of my grandmother's. And I'm not going to think about that anymore because I'm not going to entertain thinking, rethinking that. Um, I'm not going to entertain it." And so they they tend to shut that down. And I think that so much of this, when they when they walk out of our doors of the academic institution, and we've had two years with them, or You know, twenty four. I was gonna say twenty four months. That's the same as two years. But when they leave our doors, what practices are we wanting to maintain? And I, and that's where I think so much of that. Yes, we want them to be reflective practitioners. But I think we as educators also see the value as just that creates better humans and the 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 desirability to to entertain uncomfortable conversations. It just tends to create better. I'm a. I would tend to say like we're all lifelong learners. But it tends to create that desire to learn more and more and more and never stop because you're willing to challenge your own thought processes. And so, like if they leave our doors of Texas Tech University, Health Sciences Center or wherever we're teaching, and that's what they're left with, is the I'm gonna, I'm gonna challenge my own thought processes. I'm gonna challenge that, they're gonna that's gonna apply to every situation they're in, whether it be nursing or an interaction with someone that's that holds different thoughts than them. And I think there's so much value um, in that. And and when I look back on so much of the places and spaces now, those were the best places and spaces for me. They were very uncomfortable originally, but they did profound things for me later.
1: We wanna be conscious of our time boundaries. This conversation could go on and it will. We'll pick up with our conversation with Dr. Kyle Johnson on the topic of space and place, leading with psychological safety on our next episode. We hope you join us next time with the Nursing Edge Unscripted Surface podcast. Until then, be well.